old man is here. Hey, you just did uh, Welcome to My Life. Yeah. Doing everything by yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Brent came on uh, sick for the first hour. So yeah, we, we got an hour of uh, a guy remote that was uh, at death's door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was really exhilarating. Subscribe to the podcast. I, I got to say, man, kudos to him because I don't know how explicit I want to be or need to be mm. about what he was texting us as to what he was going through physically, but it didn't sound like... Somebody oh, that, 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 no, I was going to say that didn't sound like if I were in the same instance, I don't know if I would have sounded as awake as, as he did at six in the morning. So kudos to him. Mm. And then the rest of it, I did by myself all by my lonesome. That's and nice. Some guests, you know? Mm. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. You can listen <laughs> to it there or you just listen to this and leave five stars. You can do both. Why, yeah. why limit yourself to just one? Yeah. You actually sounded like you were losing your voice a little bit right there. No, I'm not losing my voice. Yeah. Sorry. What do you think you're losing? My mind? Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure, my mind. Yeah. Yeah, my true. mind. Hey, so I... Oh, my youth, yeah. my youth, gone. Well, that's gone. Not yeah. my hair, though. Like, hair in good dude, good stead. Dude, you know what, though? I was thinking, because... All right, so I, I posted to my Instagram yesterday, uh, wishing you a happy birthday. Yeah, happy I appreciate birthday. that. That was nice. Nice yeah. picture of me eating uh, pass out of a Ziploc bag. Well, I mean, you did it, so... Yeah. It's I my just, favorite picture of you. I was going to lead with it, but then I went polite. It's and, weird. When I opened up, like, my notification that you sent it, it was the lead picture mm-hmm. for me. So it's because I, I posted that to my story. At J.D. Bunkus, if you want to see Ben Ennis. Oh. Uh, drunk dancing at a wedding and also eating mm-hmm. pasta out of a bag. If you haven't <laughs> seen those things before. <laughs> 40-year-old man. Supposed to have it together. It is weird. Like, you are this guy who... Has some things you're you've just got it down, you know, mm. like fatherhood. I really do look at you with great admiration. You. Yeah, you should. And even as a son, like I, I think that you're really good to your dad. I, I do, and I know Thank he you. listens sometimes. But yeah. Michael, I could never do it. Yeah. You no, know, like, I could never. I could never. <laughs> he stopped calling me at, at five in yeah. the morning yeah. recently. But no, yeah, I could, Michael. I could never, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's all I can do to do a radio show without being furious at six in the morning. No, 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 but this is the thing is that you're my friend who I go, man, I I genuinely tell people, like, this guy is the best with his kids that you'll ever see. Thank you. Genuinely enjoys hanging out with his kids. I do. Is very proactive, tons of activities always, always Mm -hmm. engaging them with new stuff, and that includes ideas and, like, everything. And yet... You'll show up to work and I'll go, what's that? And you'll say, oh, I'm just eating my lunch out of a Ziploc bag uh, and not a sandwich, pasta. No. What, what do you mean? Surely there's a receptacle for this. No, no. Well, and obviously it's cold too because you can't heat yeah. up a Ziploc yeah. bag. Full yeah, of you pasta. just bought neon vans at 40 that are the ugliest shoes. Yeah, you're wearing them in proudly. Look at these shoes. Like this man went into a department store. And he texted me, what do you think of these? And I said, put them back immediately. No, you texted back too late, though. Yeah, okay. You should have known better. But this is what I mean. Is oh, I, you're That would have emboldened me even more. Yeah, you're a weird guy. <laughs> no, no debate. Yeah, you're oh, fair. you're normal. Yeah, more normal than you. Oh, yeah, more normal sure. than you, for, for sure. For sure. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're Mr. Normal. You don't think I'm more normal than you? Oh, it's an interesting I, th- I It's not even a, No, it's not. It's, not, it's a complete no-brainer. Hmm. By the way, a lot of people commented on your head size, I, like at oh, your yeah. party. Oh my god! That was and on Instagram, a huge head. I know, I mean, but it's not Kevin Mench. It's seven and five eighths. Yeah, it's bulbous though, and it grows. <laughs> <laughs> it need a haircut too, which isn't helping. I don't no know. Matter. It's kind of freakish. It's 
so well, you have a pee head though. I have so. a normal head. Again, I'm normal. Mm. I'm normal. Pee like head. everything. Oh yeah, just, your height. Yeah, five yeah, nine. Yeah. Normal. First of all, ten. Don't <laughs> ever try to do that to me. I'll normal never, height. I'll never. Yeah. <laughs> no, Actually, I'm... I I think slightly above average. I think the the normal height or the average height is five eight or five. Nine, yeah. <laughs> Wait, where? Like among the pygmies? Yeah. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you like to say that? Yeah, that's uh, it's that a tribe of of all right. people. I just, I don't know. You yeah. just, like I said, you're not a normal guy. So if you have to go out there and get a normal job, it could be tough sledding for you. you know? Oh, yeah. No denying that. But I mean, yeah. that's the case for both of us. We've always discussed that. Like having to assimilate to, to, to normal society. No, it's, me it's being in an office with people for, like, imagine being in an office with coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like you're there and mm-hmm. Janet is like, we're all pitching in for Trevor's birthday mm-hmm. present. Well, that just sounds nice. Now I sound no. like a jerk if I'm like, I would, well, I'm not. Contributing to Trevor's no, birthday? Janet's like, always, why, 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 why do you have it out for yeah, Trevor? No, Janet's always sending you that email. Did you get that done? Hey, oh, sorry yeah. to be bothering. You're yeah. like, no, I can't As do this. per my email. If I ever receive an email as per my last email. Like, See, yeah. I just, this is good. I just, you know, don't reply to emails ever. Yeah, you don't even read your emails. No. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, your work emails, you don't read yeah. them. No, yeah, they, they did shut down my work email <laughs> yeah. at one point because of inactivity. <laughs> And had to reboot my profile. That did happen. Yeah. You know what, though? It's cost me big in the past. Uh-huh. I've gotten opportunities through that email yeah. address that I've looked back no, on. No, maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. No, no. It's shocking that, yeah. like, every once in a while, maybe check the old work yeah. email out. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's there for. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. No, you're a normal guy, though. Just That's normal. totally normal. Do you want to be normal? First of all, like, just, like, honestly, you want to be viewed as the more normal of the two? Of us? Yeah. Yeah, than you, for sure. If it was another okay. person, yeah, but yeah, I do like think you... I'm more normal than you. Like, you know, no. I got that two kids and live in the suburbs. Like, I'm normal. I'd say that's more boring than normal, but it, yeah. Well, isn't it the same thing? Nah. I think normal is boring. Like, mm-hmm. I actually kind of, when you're... I can make the argument against I was gonna, being yeah, more I normal. You're contrarian. This is one of your weirdest things is that you can never just accept something. You have to fight it. It's just there's never, even if it's a compliment, right? You have to make a joke immediately. But you weren't making it a compliment. No, I know, but I'm saying in general, there's nothing that you can say to you yeah. that you won't just immediately want to push back on yes. in some way. Correct. Like if you say a thing yes. and it goes over, yeah. you'll go, here's how I can disagree with that. <laughs> Or here's how I can make light of that. It's one of the two. Oh. It's your pick your poison yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like in yeah. earnest. No. Oh, for more so. than five seconds. No, it's hard for you. Very difficult. I know. Yeah. Like it makes my skin crawl. I know. Your wife said five nice words about you. <laughs> Worst speech I've ever seen. At a, yeah. <laughs> Jay, I thought it was very sweet. Oh, my God. It was horrific. I told her. I was like, hey, think about what you're going to say before you mm. go up there. I don't think she did. No, I thought it was <laughs> extremely sweet. And in fact, I think it was it was oh, knowing yeah. of who I am that I didn't want it. Like it went just yeah. about at my limit where yeah. I was like, I can yeah. I can stand here and look misty eyed because I was like for you this amount of time eyed. and give her a big hug. Yeah, yeah. Afterwards. Right. Yeah, but no. like any longer, like another thirty seconds. Mm. Oh yeah. No, I would have had to yeah. have departed my skin, I think. Yeah. Worst speech ever. Actually, no, that's not true. My friend is his brother. Gave a worse speech at his wedding. Hmm. Yeah. That I begged him not to do. What was it like trying to be funny, but it yeah. was like cutting? And, yeah. yeah. No, not even. Too short. Too. And I just, I offered the advice the night before of, hey, just actually just tell one story about your brother from your heart. He was like, not going to do it. Just going to do my one joke and get out of there. And I went, hmm. <laughs> and, and I was drunk at that wedding, upset. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I was in the, 
I was a groomsman. I went, yeah. come on, you got to say something. Did you Did you take the mic? I was invited to. Okay. I mean, you could have gone rogue. Yeah, I could have. That's a pretty bold move. Yeah, to upstage. Listen, then I really wouldn't have been the normal one. Then yeah. it's like, that's, see, you couldn't have gone, you could have gone rogue at a wedding. Everyone loves the person that's like, excuse yeah, me. I have something to say. Hey, <laughs> I've had two animals and about 12 my lights. And I think it's time for me to grab this microphone and let her rip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, speaking of not normal, I watched Vic, Victory Weminyama live last night. Thanks for the invite. It was true sports bliss. Yeah, of course. I, I, I think that, yeah, I, I've seen LeBron live up close, and that's its own experience. This was... This this is the greatest night of me watching any individual in a professional sport ever. Like I paid money to see a seven foot five, one of a kind yeah. unicorn of all unicorns. Yes, and he showed up and did something that only five players in NBA history have ever done, mm-hmm. which is record a triple double that includes blocks, but then also have five plus assists. Yeah, I watched him run the floor like a gazelle and yeah. finish in transition. I watched Lead them the break. Like I that. watched them throw alley oops up to him that he tried to tip backwards like he was a setter on a volleyball team yeah. trying to put it into the net. He succeeded. I watched him pull up from three. I had a I had two props. I actually I, I posted on my Instagram a, a, a parlay that I really liked. Mm-hmm. It was Weminyama over two and a half blocks. That was done within the first six minutes. Mm-hmm. Women Yama over almost, one and a half threes. That was almost one possession by yeah, Scotty yeah, Barnes yeah, in the third yeah, quarter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and w- I think Jakob Pertle also was blocked twice in the same play. Well, Jakob Pertle, there was a few moments where these guys just had like absolutely no idea about the spatial awareness of what was going on around them. I went, so you guys are professionals at this yeah. and you can't tell that the seven foot five guy with the freakishly long wingspan yeah. and the massive hands is a bit of an issue around the basket. Like Jakob Pertle kept trying to kind of go at him. Like I used to be on the Spurs and he went, yeah, that's cool. Block, block, yeah. <laughs> get out of here. I think Kelly Olenek deserves MVP consideration considering yeah. he did get him once on like well, Kelly the, Olenek the step has, through. Yeah. He has some moves like Kelly Olenek is just crafty. He's just yeah. a crafty guy to have around, but then all the craftiness is like he and Grady Dick, both um, Grady Dick had a really confident game. And yet every single time there was another guy on the other team and they went, we'd like to go to the basket. And Kelly Olenek and Grady right Dick were way. like, what side of the basket would you like your layup on, sir? <laughs> Left or right? <laughs> your decision. <laughs> take, take your pick. Anyway, going back to women Yama, though. Uh, I, I, like, it's very rare in life where you go to something with great, great, great expectations, and then it exceeds the expectations. Mm-hmm. And we had, you know, some good seats that were pretty low, like right behind the basket, mm-hmm. possibly moved up, possibly took a peek at what the situation was and went, let's just actually sit right down there on the, on the floor. On let's the, go. Really? Well, front, like a couple rows back. Yeah. Because like, there's the floor, there's the front row floor, yeah. but there's a there's floor behind. Yeah. yeah because they're not graded, right? Yeah, so we decided to go Ooh. closer and watch them for the second half, and yeah, there who would, is just who would leave that game. There was people that just didn't show up to the game. No. There's just you watch for the first half, and you're like, okay, so these people aren't going to fill up these seats, and likely not going to at all at any point in the game. So you just go down, you take a shot, you shoot it, you sit, and that's what I did for Women Yama, and yeah, so 
To start the game, it was a block, a three, a dunk in transition, three blocks in the first six minutes. Um, the Raptors were chased from the paint basically the entire night. Like, guys would go in there, and they would sort of probe oh, yeah. around him and then go, yeah, uh, I can't really do this. Or they would go, I'm going to try. And it re- resulted in multiple lot. embarrassing blocks to which the crowd was losing their minds for. Oh, yeah. Like, I-, I can't remember being at a game where the crowd was this into the opposing guy, mm-hmm. where the crowd was just so clearly, like, rooting on the the opposing player that was in the gym and kind of laughing at the state of the Raptors, which is not good. Anyways, Raptors settled for a ton of awful shots. They look completely discombobulated. Scotty Barnes had one of almost the worst triple doubles in the history of the NBA. I thought if he would have gotten a triple double last night, we had to just completely get rid of the stat. Mm-hmm. Like for him to have a triple double the same night as Wemby Yama, if they would have both had it, <laughs> same, and and they would have gone, look at the Raptors All Star, <laughs> the guy who quit on his team yeah. again. By the way, yeah. not the first time that he's no. done this, despite mm-hmm. it only being his third year in the NBA and being given the keys to a franchise. Uh, the guy that's lackadaisically running up the court and throwing his head to the sky and complaining at referees and missing every single shot and having zero offensive impact in the game outside of like being really passive and hoping that his teammates would hit a shot. No, that's your same guy. So anyway, um, yeah, I just, uh, if you ever get a chance to see women Yama and the next time he comes to town next year, uh, yeah, it, I would expect that to be one of the hottest tickets in town based on the impression that he left here. Um, there's no way that I'll ever not want to go to games where he's here. Uh, he's the new he's the new thing in all yeah. sports. There's no question. McDavid could come to town. That's a big one. Yeah. LeBron's still coming to town at the very end, being mm-hmm. able to pay like your respects to him. But mm-hmm. this is the big one to me. This is the one I wanted to ask you about today. Do you think that there's going to be excitement to see Shohei Otani anymore now that he is such a villain? Like people might want to go to the first game to boo him or to be mm-hmm. angry at him. But ultimately, like I wouldn't want to go to a Shohei Otani game knowing the pain of seeing him. Like watching, imagine the Raptors were a lottery ball off of Wembenyama, you know? Like, oh, yeah. or they had Wembenyama and they did some crazy, like, Luka Doncic for Trey Young, <laughs> you know, situation where they went, you know, we could get eight picks. I'm just saying, to, if you would have ever been able to yeah. kind of remotely be close to that guy, like, Wembenyama was so good, Benny, that all I could think about was. Just trade Scotty Barnes, trade everybody, start again, tank, hope that another seven. Yeah. There's another Frenchman in the draft this year. Just right. hope you get him. I don't know. He was jaw dropping, inspiring, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say. Seeing it live was. I can't wait to see incredible. him like it with a full workload next year when they start expanding the minutes and he becomes more than focal point of the Or just, like, you know, I, I made fun of Devin Vassell a lot on the show leading up to mm-hmm. it, being like, I didn't pay to see Devin Vassell. I actually kind of did pay to see oh, Devin yeah. Vassell because he was really good. And I felt like they're, they're just a. They're a couple pieces away from being competent. They lost mm-hmm. seven in a row going into this game, but mm-hmm. you can just tell, like, if they keep that coach and they and they grab another ball handler, mm-hmm. maybe another just competent shooter, upgrade the Zach Collins spot, mm-hmm. they, they could be good fast. Would have been fun to see Wemby and Joel Embiid play for Team France at the Olympics this summer. Yeah. That would have been quite a thing. But, yeah, okay, as far as the, the Shohei thing, I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest. I am largely over being upset at it. I, I really – I got – Oh, my God. I would be... You really are old and mature. No, I know. Like, if I was in my, like, fandom, like, screaming at players phase, which I very much had. Like, I was very much a heckler, and, like, I kept it within the bounds of acceptable behavior, right? Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even swear, right? But I thought it was, it was within my right as a, a paying member of the sports-watching public to yell at players. Like, if I were still in that mode of my life... Mm. Absolutely, we'd be showing up to that game in April, by the way, against the Dodgers at yeah. Rogers Center. No, and I'll, I'll, I'll be at that game. I'll be at that game for sure. Doing that. I'll, I'll be at that game doing exactly that. Well, 
but he's only going to be hit. He's a DH now, right? Yeah. Like he's the the best DH we got going. And maybe no, the... but that's what you do. You boo when he gets his plate appearances, mm-hmm. and that's great. I... No, but it's like the idea that he's like some freak anymore. It's like he, he kind of missed the freak part of it. Like he's still going to be the, the best slugger. Oh yeah, I guess next year he's only going to DH. The following season, though, you don't think he's ever going to pitch? I mean, maybe. I do rule out the possibility that he never pitches again because I, I wouldn't. He's had uh, two Tommy John surgeries. He's going to be over 30 uh, years old. I think he's going to pitch again because that... Maybe as a reliever. But no, mm. the idea of seeing this once-in-a-lifetime guy, like, it's amazing that he hits as well as he does. We've seen that mm. before, though. Like, he's no longer a freak. And he's a DH. He doesn't play position anymore. So who do you think are the freaks then? Because I, I thought... I was thinking about it last night when mm-hmm. I was getting ready for this of... All right, if you had to do the list of guys you most would want to see live in professional mm-hmm. sports right now, North American professional sports, by the yeah. way, like I'm talking. Mbappe. If, <laughs> no, yeah. God, actually, you could kind of see. I actually won't, I, like I, I would say that next year, yeah. the hottest ticket in the entire Messy. season is going to be Messi. Yep. And I will pay whatever it takes to be able to get into that building because I want to be able to say Can I saw Messi me? once. Um, yeah, sure. Can't wait, like, we just don't get free tickets to anything. No. Like, what, what's up with that? You know, mm, we're pretty we important to. people in sports media landscape and biggest no, city used in, in uh, Canada. But, uh, I actually, like, it was funny. I was sitting there last night going, well, they used to sometimes give me a suite. Yeah. <laughs> like, they would sometimes, you know, our old boss used to be like, hey, you want tickets in the suite tonight? The Rogers Street? I would go, yeah, I guess so. Okay, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I talked to Adnan Verk on my show quite a bit, and he always uh-huh. tells his tales about getting free tickets. And, like, he's not shy about pulling the strings, right? Like, yeah. actually reaching out to people. And we don't have the same connections of Adnan Verk. No, now Burke. it's an offensive ask. It's an, from us? Yeah. Why is for it anything. offensive for him? No, I know. I'm saying, no, I'm saying, it is the offensive. It's, it's from whenever we do it, it's like, how dare you? Yeah, Even. but I think we're we're talking about different people that he's asking. He's asking people within, like, organizations or, yeah, people with the closer connections. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, or maybe we go through the intermediary of Adnan Verk. Hey, can you put me in touch with somebody that anyways, you would... Anyways, <laughs> back, to, back to the show. Back to the show. Back to the show. Back to the show. Yeah, no, um, Connor McDavid, don't just, like, gloss over the Connor McDavid thing. I don't. Thing because saying, he's still the freak. No, I'm saying that right now because I'm counting Messi as North American sports because he plays in MLS. Yeah. And so you're going to be able to go get a Messi ticket next year. I think that it goes, for me, Messi mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. Like, if you told me I could have a ticket to any athlete right now, it would be Messi. Yeah. And I'm not even a soccer guy. No. But to go see Lionel Messi. An event. Yeah. And I, just say that you saw it with your own eyes. Yeah. Too, right? and, like, but, that's the but thing. But he's also not just a he's, – he's not just out there as a – you know, a completely washed up entity that can't even play in the MLS. He's not collecting a paycheck there. No. This is this is a guy who, when he first showed up to MLS, just basically went, let everybody know how bad it is. Mm-hmm. We had always wondered. We were like, how good is MLS? <laughs> and then Messi showed up and was like, I'm going to score multiple goals every night yeah. and barely break a sweat. Yeah. And we went, it's that bad? <laughs> yeah. It's that bad here? Yeah. We thought we were doing okay. And you're and like he, 40 years old. And he was like, this is the children league, right? <laughs> uh, developmental <laughs> practice? Like, you're trying? Yeah. Uh, it was like, yeah, dude, well, those I guys mean, were it, trying against you. Those it, were grown men trying. It must be said that even at his, his advanced <laughs> no. age, he was the best player of the World dude, Cup. I, right? Sure, but it literally was what the stories are whenever it's a, a beer league game right. and then a guy from the KHL <laughs> yeah, shows course. up and scores 14 goals <laughs> and everyone else is like, damn, maybe the guy on your team that says he could have played pro yeah. or that he was triple, you know, like that guy starts to get a little bit more quiet in the mm-hmm. room from now on. He doesn't really bring it up as frequently as mm-hmm. he's in the parking lot and having beers after and you go like, he actually almost wanted to play in the K. He's like, yeah, yeah, everybody shut up. Don't tell him that. You know, that's that situation with Messi is with the other professional soccer players. Messi won, mm-hmm. but I now have Wembenyama too. Yeah. 
I, I think it's hard to argue. And it's like the, yeah, recency bias is is definitely prevalent here that he did. I mean, he's had a career high in blocks mm-hmm. yesterday. But, yeah, it's not like that's not been a major part of his game. Um, yeah, I think the, the McDavid thing is still. McDavid to me is three. Yeah, still prevalent. I don't think there's anyone in baseball anymore, honestly. That's and it. Because I, I saw Shohei. I saw Shohei. It was incredible. Right, like at the peak of his powers, and honestly, mm-hmm. just watching him run the bases too, which is like you know, I don't even talk about it. But mm-hmm. guy like led the league in triples, right? Like he's <laughs> capable base runner. He's incredible. He's a gazelle. But now he's just a DH, and we've we've seen the best of him. Like there's no debate that even if he comes back as a pitcher, we've seen the best Shohei Otani. I think. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're gonna see any better than that. Yeah. And now he's just a he's a DH, the left-handed hitting, great offensive player. Not maybe like if you asked me to guess who has a better season this year, Aaron Judge or Choi Otani, I'd say Aaron Judge. Like yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a slam yeah, dunk think, that he's no, the no, best no, offensive no, no, no. player that's, in baseball. That's, that's absolutely and it's correct. Like, he might not be the best offensive player as a team. Yeah, and if you're not doing the two yeah. things, you don't stand out. Like there's nobody that does something that really stands out in baseball anymore. See, I put Shohei in the LeBron category because, by the way, my top four are Messi one, Weminyama two. Three is going to be uh, uh, three and four interchangeable. I, McDavid and Mahomes, because you're just going yeah, to see know, greatness Mahomes. and things done differently. Okay, I, I didn't understand. We're okay, we're allowed to name players that we can't see in the city. Okay. Well, I view Buffalo as our football team here. Like you can go do Buffalo or Detroit, you can go to pretty easily. Like it's North American, and yeah, like I'm saying, you can't go to Europe. Okay, you can't just decide. All right, I'm going to Europe tomorrow. That's yeah. out. And if you and, and I don't want to hear some hipster answer about like the coolest cricket player that's going on right. And it's like no 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 no. Like yeah. I, I don't want to hear that. Or some rugby guy that I, I just don't. I, I don't want that. I'm saying like the consensus top four to me would be those four guys. That Weminyama has become the one in the NBA in the league of freaks. He's the top freak, mm-hmm. and he's the just most exhilarating guy. The thing is, is that you can catch him on nights where he gets you know nineteen five and three, mm-hmm. and I just so happen to catch him on the best night of his no, career, which is so fortunate. Man, you couldn't have signed up for anything better. Like obviously, the, who cares about the wins right now? Apparently, also the Raptors mm, are like, who cares about I, the wins? That's right the next now? segment. That's the next segment because <laughs> I have. As as happy as I was about the Spurs, I have a lot of angry Raptors thoughts as, in the as, other. As yeah. you should. No, no, no. Yeah, I got I got things to say, and I'm I'm tired of everybody covering for the kid. I, oh, I yeah. yeah. Who's covering? Like, oh, who's covering? Did you see the All Star coverage? It was like yeah. I can't believe this guy was in the All Star game. Of course, he should be the replacement in the All Star game. I was like, I watch every game. I. No, and also he's one Don't of two star that disappears to the degree of Scotty Barnes or who has the attitude he's as bad as Scotty Barnes. One of two players at the time, and I haven't checked the standings updated, but yeah, one of two players at the time when the all-star rosters were announced and the Hawks were inside yeah. a play-in position. Yeah. There were only two guys that playing on teams that yeah. weren't in a play-in tournament position was him and Steph Curry. And like, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not making comparisons between him and the legacy of Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I think that uh, if you're the future face of the league, as Darko put it, maybe your team isn't getting waxed by a team that lost seven straight and had 10 wins leading into last Probably night's game. Probably the and, yeah. team with the 27th best yeah. offensive rating uh-huh. it shouldn't be scoring more than 100 points through three quarters yeah. of a basketball game. Yeah. Like, probably. Probably, like, shouldn't be... And mm-hmm. I don't know if you need to Morgan Riley it, but like their their seven foot five freak blocking you twice in the third mm-hmm. quarter and then laughing about it probably mm-hmm. should be a motivating factor for you. Mm-hmm. You would yeah. think. Uh-huh. You would think. Like he I was remember, laughing. Uh, yeah, I remember. He's like, this is this yeah. is real life. That's your guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's your guy. He, like literally, like I don't know if you saw it in the moment or yeah, you've seen the replay, oh, yeah. but like, no, no, no. Wemby I, is literally laughing in oh, the third I was, quarter. I was watching Scotty Barnes with a very, very, you know, close eye, and this is the thing. <sighs> I haven't been to a Raptors game where 
actually, that's not true. I would say that most of the Raptors games I have gone to in the Scotty Barnes era, there has been at least a moment or two of just, I cannot believe that's your body language. Mm-hmm. Like I told you last year, I was at the Memphis game where he just walked off the court yep. faking an injury. Like we have the video evidence that you yeah. weren't touched in the face mm-hmm. and you spazzed on the ref and then you walked into the tunnel mm-hmm. during the game. I had never seen it before. Never. Like I, I was completely blown away. And again, he wasn't reprimanded for it. Maybe he was privately, but I didn't hear anything on it. It was just kind of like, yep, do your thing. And now it's the guy leaves the floor uh, before the game is done, sulks his way into the tunnel. Chewing gum too, it yeah. seemed like. Like honestly, I mentioned this off the top of my show. It's like, if you want to look as disinterested as possible, mm-hmm. chew gum. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, the gum chewing adds another element to it for me. Here's the thing. All right. You know, I- I'll let this loose now. It's pretty damn clear, you know, and, and I saw people being like, look, Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet acknowledged each other when Fred was in town. It's like, this must mean that this was an overstated narrative. Like, huh? Um, who do you think Fred Van Vliet was talking about? Malachi Flynn in terms of the young guys on the team that were not meshing well with the vets? Yeah. I mean, um, we, we have factual evidence that Masai Ujiri made yeah. an explicit trip to yeah. New York City to have a conversation with one guy. Yeah. And uh, Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Um, the mandate coming into this year was we want to see this team with better chemistry. We want to see this team with a better attitude. We There's no more, what was it, playing for ourselves. This is now about Raptors team basketball. Do you really believe that that's going to be the way with Scotty Barnes? And I know I'll get killed for this because he's, what, 23 years old and people will say other guys mature and they change, whatever. But if you're going to be a bad basketball team and you're going to be in the wilderness, you're going to be a group that frankly, can't do anything right now. Like, there's nothing about the Raptors that they can do well. Like, they they defend so horrifically. They went out and got Kelly Olenek and Abaji, and, yeah, last night, like I said, it was just free trips to the lane every single time for the Spurs. And I went, I, I don't really know how this changes in any fashion over the, the coming years. Like, you're going to try to develop Grady Dick. He can't He can't stop, you know, a cold. <clears throat> he can't stop a nosebleed. There's, there's nothing that he's... There's never going to be a situation where he's able to stay in front of guys in the NBA. You're always going to have to compensate for him. Like, he actually had a nice defensive possession that game, but it's like one of five. Mm-hmm. One of five, he'll be able to use his length and stay in front of somebody and affect the shot to a degree, and that's nice. Um, Kelly Olenek, you know what that is. Jakob Pertl is incredibly important to them defensively, but it's still astonishing that you traded a first-round pick mm-hmm. for him. But this this team doesn't look like it's going to be going anywhere anytime soon, and I don't see... Uh, a player that's going to come in here. But yes, this is Dennis Schroeder calling out the Raptors and saying that they don't play for one another, saying that it, of course, it doesn't, you know, replicate Germany, which is where he played, where he's like guys playing for one another. And they're, I was like, yeah, man, you're playing international ball for everything. Of course, it's not going to feel that way. But he came out multiple times and mentioned it. This was a guy who was brought in as a vet, who's had success with some other players, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander played around him. Don't remember quotes from Dennis Schroeder about Shea Gilgis-Alexander mentioned the problems with the young team. Masai Ujiri, mandate of need to change things. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, record of not getting along with some of the guys on the team. Siakam, same thing. Like, this is a lot of players that have been in the orbit of Barnes where, yeah, doesn't look great. Doesn't wow. look great. Seems I- to be a pretty big powder. I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying that he's a very big powder. I don't know where you put Darko Ryakovich in this conversation. And, like, the the mandate was pass the ball more in the offense. Like, just, like, factually, they have been – they've been moving the ball 
around a lot sure. more than a season ago. And yeah, he's salvaged the first season of Grady Dick, at least offensively, right? Like his development. And if you're looking at the numbers, Scotty Barnes, like that was the number one mandate is get Scotty Barnes back on the tra- uh, trajectory of being a top 20 player in the NBA. But he, it's vibes, right? Like he was brought in for the vibes. Well, which that, is... let's never forget that that was his original thing. Scotty Barnes, the vibes guy. It's like, yeah, I think we can just, can we, can we stop with this? Like, can we stop pretending like he's a front runner kind of guy when things are going well for Scotty Barnes, he looks happy and like he's having a great time. He's the Raptor that's introduced last and it's looking great then. And when things start to go poorly, he will melt down. No questions asked like you. It's pretty consistent and he's consistently inconsistent. Like I said, I, I said this to Blake on Friday. Find me the other all-star that disappears for as long a stretch as Scotty Barnes. And it was actually nice being at these last two Raptors games and watching the crowd react to him versus what the Twitter reality is. Because again, you get lost in Raptors Twitter and Raptors Reddit, and it's just, it's all the same thing, over positive toxicity of just, you know, almost propaganda-like stuff with this player. Toxic positivity. Yeah, toxic positivity when it comes to just like, hey, we're going to just selectively pick the moments with Barnes and selectively pick the narrative with Barnes and repeat it over and over and over again to the point where you go, well, like Raptors fans and media were generally mad when people were picking apart Darko saying that Scotty Barnes was going to be the face of the NBA. When people were like lightly teasing about that, people got defensive. People were like, he could be someday. Mm. Like, okay. Like, okay. So yeah. you say, yeah. so you say again, I, I also reference this Bill Simmons put together his trade value list. You can say what you want about Bill Simmons. You know, you have your thought on him right now, which is that I, I just think it's a guy who's watched basketball for a long time. who's done a trade column every year. He had Scotty Barnes in the fifties in terms of value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I don't, and I guess what? I don't think he's closer to top 15 than he is to 50. No. And at some point you would like him to drive winning like a little bit. Yeah. Like a little bit. Like he's, yeah. Just one play guy. more than a quarter. Like, well, like play and, more than a quarter or two. And it's also not like Wemby looking around and it's nothing but 20 year olds and what? Like RJ's 23 and like uh-huh. quickly is 23. But like there's, there's, a, there's other capable NBA players on this team. Should they look like literally like, they don't record wise. They don't have the worst record fit. in the NBA. But like, look at the teams. We're not even at the All Star break. They've what lost to Charlotte. They mm. lost to the Pistons. They lost now to the Spurs. They could have easily lost twice to the Spurs. They were down twenty in the one game they won in San Antonio. They they look like one of the worst teams in the NBA, and they're the seventh worst by record. But I mean, just aesthetically, you can make the case of the worst team in the NBA right now. Well, especially when you do consider that it's not that they traded Pascal Siakam before the season or Ojan and Obi before the season. Like, they, they had those guys. Right, yeah. How many? And yeah. So what, they're like, they had they're Dennis seven Schroeder. games up on the Spurs, so if they had this yeah. team from the beginning of the season, would they not be, like, in yeah. Pistons land? That's, that's what I'm saying. And they're not trying to actively tank. No. Even now. No. They're like, we'll take wins. Like, yeah. As they not, should. Yeah. We'll, we'll, it's like, whatever. however the chips fall, we'll, we'll take that. And, yeah, it's not ideal that we don't have our first-round pick. But, yeah, we can't force it one way or the other, yeah. at least at this point in the season. And it's they are the worst team in the NBA. I, 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 just, I think that this is going to be a pretty interesting moment because with Barnes, the rookie year was so spectacular. And he just was immediately loved by the city. And he has the performance against the Sixers. And people say, this is a guy. He's not afraid of the big moment. Mm-hmm. He's got an NBA-ready body. Um, he seemed when he was winning again, the rookie of the year and he was the young guy and he was happy. It was great. Um, and then immediately he's handed the car keys and frankly, he just, he doesn't look ready for that whatsoever. Um, from a maturity standpoint, from a ability standpoint, like, yeah, uh, those two places don't look checked off. And so 
I don't think it's going to happen in season. They can use this as a reality check moment. Everyone pointed out that Siakam was benched for this as well. I'm, mm-hmm. That was Nick Nurse. Mm-hmm. Maybe it happens with this regime. I, I don't think so because it feels like they kind of bend the knee to Barnes pretty heavily. I mean, rookie head coach? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to... I don't, I don't know if you want to do that as an organization right now, but year two, there were real questions about Barnes's dedication during the offseason. I do think that that manifested itself with some of his teammates in terms of the way that they felt about how much Scotty Barnes was given based on how much he had proven versus the three guys on the team that had championship rings, two of which were big contributors to that championship ring. I think that that was sort of the beginning of the end of that era. And now this team is fully Scotty Barnes's. Like it is. It's his team. He's the all-star. He's the face of the franchise. He's the guy in the commercials. He's the most recognizable guy. He's the one that they're going to draw up the play for at the very end of the game. Yeah, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see that if they can't get him to curtail some of the bad body language, the stuff with the officials, he's he's really obsessed with the officials. Like he talks to them like he's LeBron, like he's got 15 plus years in the league and is owed something by them. If they can't get on top of that, if they can't figure that out, I would be pretty worried if I was a Raptors fan about what the next couple of years are going to look like. Well, and you say draw up the last play of the game for, I I can't help but think about that Thunder game from, what, a couple of weeks ago where they did draw up the last uh, play of the game in overtime for, and he said, no, not for me, thank you very much, Mm -hmm. and deferred. I mean, he was gassed in that game, played 48 minutes, yada, 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 but he had three field goal attempts in the second half in overtime, or the two overtimes in that game. The thing is, uh, I talked to Will Lou about this. As of right now, he has one, like, one A-plus ability. He can bully his way into the paint, mm-hmm. get two feet in, and then shoot that kind of float shot or dunk. He had a really pretty drive yesterday in, the, I think, the third quarter. Where capable three-point shooter, too. Capable, but it's not... It's, yeah, 36%. It's, like, what is league average? It's about league average. Yes, and for, like, the number of attempts that he's taking this season? No, he's not a plus three-point shooter. He is fine. He started the season hot. He's okay with two feet set mm-hmm. and wide open. Mm-hmm. He's certainly not a threat. He's, guys aren't closing out on him. They're not afraid of a Scotty Barnes three. I don't think anybody feels great about a Scotty Barnes three. Certainly not off the dribble. By the way, quickly, you could shoot a couple fewer of those right now. Like, I, we get it. I know you were shooting that really well in New York, but... It's hard to watch when he's going like two and nine uh, and he's just pulling up, pulling up, pulling up. And I'm like, okay, somebody else touched the ball. This is probably why you were back up in New York. I definitely didn't send multiple text messages to Ariel Hawani last night being like, hmm, uh, didn't realize it was this much volume mm-hmm. quickly at times. Anyway, um, I, I just don't know what the hell they do because you've had vets like Schroeder call it out. You've had vets like Van Vliet call it out. Didn't seem to resonate. Now the franchise is his. Like, is R.J. Barrett going to call it out? Like, is is the rookie head coach going to call it out? Is Masai, who already has called it out, mm-hmm. going to change things material? Like, like, what is the hope other than he just gets older and figures it out? Like, I mean, there needs to be some level of accountability. And now that you have the precedent of the Pascal Siakam thing, like, mm-hmm. if, if we don't see him benched at least for a game, even if you don't say it explicitly, that's why he's not playing, like... Yeah, if we don't see at least that level of accountability. Are you going to bench him? Are you going to bench him Wednesday night at home in Pascal Siakam's return game? I don't think so. I mean, if there if you are preaching no. accountability, no, then you are. Yes, but the organization is probably going to look at it as: Do we really want to steal thunder from Siakam's homecoming by making it about Barnes and his benching? Do we really want the guy that we just had here that we had pinned the hopes of the franchise mm-hmm. to? returning as the guy that we've now pinned the franchise hopes to sitting on the bench. Mm. That's a pretty tough look. 
Yeah, it is. Right as he's going in the All-Star game, by the way. Like a well. day after they just celebrated him <laughs> against the Cavs. I mean, if you're looking for impact, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be it. I just, yeah, you look around the ecosystem that he that he operates in now. Yeah, mm-hmm. he has been handed the car keys. And yeah, again, like R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are established NBA players right now. They're, none of them are veterans, but mm-hmm. they, they come in as second and third bananas to... This guy that, yeah, the head coach already told us he thinks is going to be a face of the league. You got a rookie yeah. head coach who is just trying to establish himself as the guy that can be, hey, he was two things. He can win now or he could develop. And like, yeah. okay, let's see the development thing. Uh-huh. Like he and, and the whole train is going off the tracks as far as their defensive incapability and the, the energy level that has not been there from game one of the season, even before the trades of OG and an OB and Pascal Siakam. So, yeah, I, I, I probably not the right coach to, to be dropping the hammer on, on Scotty Barnes. And, yeah, like you said it, that the president has already already done it whether you believe the explicit like selfishness yeah. also involved Scotty Barnes or no, the, the, the face-to-face meeting mm-hmm. that happened at the beginning of last well, season it's, in it's, New York. It's funny too, because remember from media day, there was the quote about selfishness and Siakam got defensive. He was like, I, I'm, I don't think I'm selfish. Mm-hmm. Like he went out and said it right away. And I went, yeah, I don't think so either, man. <laughs> like we got a pretty good long track record of Siakam being a pretty damn good teammate. Like, yeah, I had that one moment against the Knicks and sure. Um, but that's the thing. I know people feel probably some uh, like I'm just burying Barnes and I'm saying there's no hope. That's not it at all. The guy obviously has immense talent. Like the physical gifts are obvious. Um, the passing is, I think, a little overrated, but it's very good for a guy his size. Mm-hmm. When he's engaged in the game, he can be a threat both defensively and offensively. He clearly needs to be able to create some kind of a move that is outside of the just get to the basket that feels reliable, that's a threat to other teams, but that can come with age. Um, but I'm just done with pretending like this is just a one-off with a kid who's 23 years old. Like no. this, is, this has happened now every season of his career where there's been something. Out, sorry, outside of the rookie season. That was pretty quiet. That was overwhelmingly positive. But as of right now, this has been, okay, here's a one, here's a two, here's a three, here's a four. Like, it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And they've, they've really got to figure it out because if they don't, it's, it's going to be a real problem for the franchise. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I was just going to say last thing on this was that, yeah, the number one job outside of, like, once you decided you weren't winning this season, the number one job was to develop uh, Scotty Barnes into the guy that you thought he would be after that rookie season. And it the, sounds good on paper with the all-star, but well, yeah. yeah, no, the number one job going into next season is make sure that you figure this element of that player out. And whether mm. that's bringing in some veteran, that's going to keep him in line or honestly like a head coaching change after a single season, whatever you think is the best way to get that, that train back on the tracks. That's your number one job next season. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, let's take a quick break. I, I do want to ask you one question about turning 40 and then also, yeah. Um, Who's the most likable team in Toronto right now? Next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. So when I turned 30, I felt relieved because it was out of the way. I went like, all right, I'm 30. Accept it. It almost felt like a refresh. Like, oh, I'm young again because I'm at the beginning of the threes, not at the end of the twos. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Okay. No, no, definitely you're a normal guy. Did you feel like 
Like, tell tell us, old wise one, what mm-hmm. is it like to turn forty? Because a lot of the people listening right now, they. I this is what I I said to people that have asked. I was uh-huh. like, I don't know. And around the age of thirty five, I just felt old. Like once uh-huh. you have kids, once you have a house, like yeah. you just you're old. Yeah. Like it's a number that I I would say like thirty was a big like holy cow yeah, going no. from your twenties no, to your thirties. No. Like yeah, you're not a kid anymore. Yeah. And now people in their twenties, they're like, oh, you're just an infant child. The thing about your thirties is I felt an immense amount of pressure to have my career in a, in a better place. Yeah. Like See, I, was, I, I was married 27. So I was uh-huh. like, can I, I mean, I never feel comfortable in this, in now. this. Yeah. Oh, it's so early. That's early now. Yeah. Modern day. Oh my God. That's why. So it's funny. A lot of people thought you were older than them that I know because, or older than 40 because you have kids who are, you know, little actual humans. Yeah. 85. Not, yeah. That's what I mean. You have an eight year old. You have a real, you have a real boy. Yeah, he's a real boy. He's a real boy. Yeah, no, he's not Pinocchio. But, but that's crazy that that's the the modern era is a guy who had a kid at thirty two. Mm-hmm. It's like wow. She <laughs> 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 really had. Actually, Nick had Nick. Nick had kids. Well, how old were you, Nick, when you had kids? Nineteen twenty. He he had kids in the year nineteen. Because Nick turned forty. Yeah. Something like that. So, oh, something, something like, like that. that. <laughs> something like that. Because how your kids are both graduated high school now? Yeah, they're uh, 21 and 19, I want to say. That's like a true anomaly. Yeah. Like that is a, I remember when he told me that, I was blown mm. away. It's like, holy crap. No, and my wife's parents. Imagine, dude, you, do you, okay. When did you feel like you were a good dad, Nick? Like what age did you start to feel like, Oh, I, I'm getting this. I'm getting the hang. Cause me, dude, at 19 years old, all I could, was capable of doing was packing a bong. <laughs> that was my number one skill set. <laughs> I mean, like not even rolling a joint. Like that no, takes skill. Pregnant. Like packing No, a- that's what I'm saying. No, I got pregnant joint. Like not a good, not a good, not a good one. What age? What age did you feel like you were good? I, I still haven't. Oh, okay. All right. Good night. Mic off. <laughs> the weird humble. 30, 30 something. 30 something. 30 yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. I just didn't feel like at all an adult until probably 32. <sighs> this 32? is probably too extreme a take, but I, there is an element of this that I truly do believe. Like, mm. and you can look at this in a, in a negative way too, that there's been an arrested development thing happening here. But I will what do you say. Mean? Of course there is. For me? age group? No, no, I was talking about me specifically. It's like, I do think like. I, I don't know. I haven't changed that much, honestly, since being 20 years old. Well, yeah, you married your high school sweetheart, and then you... And I know, wear, yeah, neon shoes. Yourself, you didn't put yourself out there. You never decided to... I thought I put myself out there. No, no, no. You put your whole life in your kids, and that's fine. You decided... I think I chose a career path that isn't exactly the safest. Like, if if yeah. that was your, your take on my entire life, wouldn't I have, you know, taken the obvious, you know, business school route? What else route? were you going to do? I don't know. You couldn't business? have done it. But I could have been. Business. You I could have done business. Yeah. 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 I would have been sure. like, "Hey, let's do business," and then they, we would have gone to the business room to do that business, and then come out of it you know, with an agreement on our business that I we might, did. I might do this again tomorrow, but what? well, I just I might this might become a theme for the week. But I was thinking about this last night with the Raptors too, right? Because because they they picked a direction, they went young, uh-huh. and it was. Oh, Quickly's here and RJ's here and 
hey, it's going to be the Scotty Barnes team. And hey, look, the, the Raptors are no longer just going to be in the muddy middle. They've picked that they're going to go in the youth direction. And there's a, a, a fun factor to this. And when the Raptors do play well and better than last night, for example, or, you know, the game before that, for example, <laughs> against Cleveland, they've had their moments where they've looked entertaining. And you say squint and you say, that's all right. That's pretty fun. Um, but for the most part, uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be super enjoyable if you have Scotty Barnes pouting on, you know, one out of four nights. Uh if you have quickly taking way too many shots uh, and you have this kind of caliber of a defense night in night out, uh, especially since it feels like it's going to be multiple seasons, the blue Jays are entering this year with a lot of expectation. And I I was reading Blair's column yesterday and he's like, a reminder, they signed 39-year-old Justin Turner and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa after taking a step back last season and being uber frustrating no, and they my... stayed super healthy with their pitching staff. But they're not liked, right? They're not liked in the city right now. No. People people are not loving this Blue Jays team. There are fans. I'm a fan. I'm yeah, hoping that they do well, but no. they're not a likable It's not group. like 2015, even like before the, the postseason yeah. appearance. Like that was, holy cow, like yeah. Jose Bautista hitting bombs. Yeah, and then there's the Maple Leafs, and I think if you say they're likable right now, that's just a laughable opinion. Like there's no, I, I don't know what the metric would be for likability for them. I don't know. Saturday made them a little more likable to me. Morgan, No, no, no. Morgan Riley is likable. Yeah. Morgan Riley is really loved in the city. In mm-hmm. fact, yeah, I, I've said, but outside of Matthews, I think that he's the most popular Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think actually Matthews might have some detractors, you know, because everybody's heard the jokes about Arizona guy and how much does he care and all this stuff. Like Morgan Riley doesn't have that on his resume. Like there's not one person that questions his effort yeah, level or his compete or his care. You know, like, yeah, yeah that, that is a mark against him. There's no doubt. <laughs> like, truth, yeah, truthfully. I mean, so you think it's a lot. I don't think the Leafs are likable, but your question that you're getting around who's to the is the like, who's team? the most likable? Yeah. You, you're going to dis discounted like out of hand that the Maple Leafs are the most likable. No, I think there's no chance because they have the most playoff scars as of late. Like they're, they're the blue Jays on steroids. Mm. Yeah. But at least during the regular season, they're pretty entertaining. They're entertaining. Like I'm you're entertained by this so far this year. Yes, very much. So are you really, you're not entertained by this season. No, the, the, imp- like who knows what's going to happen night to night. First of all, with the goaltending and secondarily, you got a guy chasing 70 goals. Yeah. But that's, but what are you talking about? That, when I watch the hockey game, I want to see a good product and I don't think that they're a good product night in night out. I mean, it's, they haven't won enough games to make you feel confident about like, if your whole thing is about them picking up victories. Yeah. No, no, that's, no. that's I, not entertaining, but no. no, they, they're a high event hockey team. And also you go like every metric would put them in the top five and expected goals for like they're creating oh, yeah. opportunities mm-hmm. and the puck's going into their net. Like that's, you're not entertained by the Maple Leafs this season. Mm, no, maybe you're too invested in the end result, which no, I understand. I'm, I'm invested in watching a team coalesce. They're in year eight of this core. Sure. I want to see them no, but that's look the same thing. like yeah, a good you, team. I don't yeah, care about yeah. Dude, I'm telling you that it's nice for radio. You're you're confusing the things. It's nice for radio and podcast to have a lot of stories on the Leafs. Uh-huh. Like I, I've always joked that I don't know what the Golden State Warriors radio or media was like right. when they were in the peak of it. This year, going, it's great. Yeah, but for such a long time they went. And Durant was good again. What? Who's better, Durant or Curry? The 45th. <laughs> I time did this it post uh, trade deadline in 2015 with the Blue Jays. Yeah. It was. I, I gotta say, I kind of enjoyed it. But yeah, yeah, but that's year one. I'm saying when yeah. you're in multiple years. I, anyway, it's easy to talk about the Leafs because there's always a story. 
And this market does take other ones and extrapolates them, blows them out of proportion oftentimes because there's so many people that need to give an opinion on them. But in general, no, I don't think most people turn on the Leafs game at night right now and go, look at this likable bunch of guys that I'm rooting okay. for and that are in an entertaining. Yeah, like, like, entertaining. Who is the most like, no, who is the most likable team? Because the Leafs, are, to me, are dead last. Mm. Yeah. Okay. To me, like, it's still do- Raptors 1, by the way. It's Raptors 1, it's Blue Jays 2, it's Maple Leafs 3. That's how I have it. But none of them are likable. <laughs> like, none of them are likable. Well, and now that the Raptors have more Canadians, those, those guys are likable. I, that, those are likable guys. Yeah. People really loved rooting for Kelly Olenek when he came in the game yesterday. Yep. People love it when RJ attacks the rim and he finishes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a very likable team, though. Yeah, no, that's we, it. Yeah, it's, and they're very bad. And that, that has an expiration date. Like, there's yeah. only so likable you can be and still be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And, mm-hmm. like, clearly... Well, especially if they don't control their pick next season, they're going to try and be as bad next year. And like in year two of being one of the worst teams in the NBA, how likable can you really be? Well, I just think it's crazy because you and I, a couple of years ago when we were still doing good show, we had this moment where it was the Blue Jays had their, their first, their, their Marcus Semien team, right? The 21, 21 team Mm -hmm. where they were the most likable team ever. Like just unanimously popular. Everybody loved that team. The Leafs were starting to, to have a... They were in that, okay, now it's a more mature hockey team. We're going to see what they get. If people like them more. They certainly liked the team that was in the North COVID division. bubble. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was 2021. You had a Raptors team that got Scotty Barnes in his rookie year and had Barnes developing, and people wondered if they could we could mesh the two. And it was just... All of the teams looked like they were just in such good positions. Mm-hmm. And now I'm looking at it and I go, which one of these teams do you feel like is going to get their act together first? Blue Jays feel like they're on the verge of potentially like just scrapping this whole, mm-hmm. you know, like there's, there's a scenario where they go into this year and they really struggle and we're just having conversations of this is now the time you're selling guys. Sure. The Maple Leafs have the same thing. They go on a five-game losing streak all of a sudden. It's the same conversation. Are they going to be sellers at the deadline? The Raptors already <laughs> just were sellers at the deadline. Mm-hmm. It's tough to have three sellers at the same time. That's not what you want. That's really not what you want. You want to have one buyer who feels like the, they're buying for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the glass half empty view of it, uh-huh. which is not an unreasonable take. But do you, Oh, do you, unreasonable? Do you think that it's unfair? What, do I think? No, I don't yeah. think it's likely, though. I don't even think it's better than 50% that the Leafs sell at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't. No, and, neither do I. And I don't think it's greater than 50% that the Blue Jays sell at this deadline. Like, I think the more likely scenario is this offseason if things continue the way they've continued, by which I mean, like, they're, they have no postseason victories uh-huh. uh, in the Vlad and in Bo era. Like, at the conclusion of this season, then that conversation uh, happens. I don't think there's a scenario where they're so far out of it, even in no, a division so. with, like... There's too many playoff teams. Yeah, the Orioles having actual pitching and the the same team that won the division a season ago and the Yankees having Juan Soto. Like, I just don't uh-huh. see a scenario... That'd have to be below 500. That's what it takes now in Major League Baseball, and I just don't yeah. see that. Oh, you do? Okay. But yeah, you're Mr. Negative, I though. D- no, I didn't say I see that. I don't think it's greater than 50% that that's neither the do case. I. Do, but, but, okay, let's do that just quickly because we got to go. Do you think that there is a 15% chance that that's the case? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's the that's 15 the number. is low, though. That's low. Yes, for sure. But I'm just saying that 15% chance feels high considering where they've been at for the well, last couple of years. And if also, if you're doing the like, hey, like, if you're leaning one way. Like it's way, a realistic outcome. Right? Like if you're, if you're Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, and you're like, oof, 
Like, we got to make a decision, and and you're considering the possibilities. It's like, okay, we can continue to add one more time and have another kick of the can, mm. or we can do the thing that we're probably going to do in the offseason yeah. earlier and get a bigger return on these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, like, a lean that way, but you would have to be under 500 and well below it, I think. And I with, agree. With, with the depth of pitching that they have, it's I think even considering the offensive issues that they've got, I think it's tough to imagine that scenario. The depth of pitching, we'll see. Yeah, pretty no, freakishly we'll, healthy we'll last year. Anyways, uh, quick break. Let's come back and let's talk to Cam Jansen. Anyway, before I get to Cam Jansen, who had a good chat with about the Morgan Riley play, and we're still waiting on the suspension, by the way. Uh, everyone keeps guessing that it's going to be six games. I still think that that's too much. Like, but. Steve Dangle made a great point yesterday that this is the, this only the second in-game or in-person hearing of the season. So you have to ask yourself, do you think that this is the second worst offense of the hockey season so far? I would say no. The league does lend itself to being more lenient towards bang-bang plays, a chicken wing, Versus one where you have a second to think about it and you lose your cool. He did use the stick as a weapon. I still think that tries to hit him in the shoulder. It gets away from him. To me, it does. It should matter. It should matter what your track record is. Who you've been as a player over the course of your career. Obviously, anybody that thinks that what Greg did was the worst part of the crime is nuts. But he did do something to antagonize someone. I, if, it was, if it was me, I would give Morgan Riley three games. I know people think that's like biased Toronto media. That's fine. It's just my opinion. I, I didn't think as much of it as other people. The kid got up. He's fine. I, like, I don't mind it. Yeah, there's an alternate reality, of course. No, you shouldn't use your stick as a weapon. Duh. I just... I, I really don't think it's as egregious as some people make it seem, but I feel like this is a really polarizing topic anyway. And so like a lot of people are split on it. It's, it's invoked a lot of emotions from a lot of different people. But I, before I go to the cam interview, I, I do want to just say, I think one of the things about last night for Raptors fans was you got such a stark difference between the two young stars of the organizations. Like the Raptors gave their first round pick this year to the Spurs. And yeah, maybe the Raptors end up with it, but yeah, either way, the Spurs are going to control a Raptors draft pick in one of the next couple of seasons. The Raptors were a team that really thought last year that they could take a step forward, whereas the Spurs looked at it and said, we need to take a step back. The Spurs and the Raptors were compared to one another. Like there's some ties between these two organizations, right? Beyond the Kawhi Leonard trade, after the Kawhi Leonard trade, it was, hey, are the Raptors the new Spurs? Are they the, the new functional culture destination. Do they build differently? Do they get it differently? Do they have a president and a structure that works much like San Antonio's where you can expect the team to develop players in the best possible way? In fact, multiple times, multiple people called Nick Nurse the Raptors' Greg Popovich. Well, very quickly, the Raptors lost all of their vets all of their vets of consequence, all of their long-term vets, right? Like, yeah, sure, you got Chris Boucher. That doesn't matter. The Raptors' structure that they had built evaporated overnight. 
it went from player development to haven't really developed a guy. It went from culture to horrible vibes for a couple of seasons in a row now to the point where they, they fired the coach and they pinned it on Nick Nurse and you said, okay, Nick Nurse is gone. The bad man is gone. The guy who played all the, the good players too many minutes and was holding guys too accountable for their play and wasn't developing players. Okay, they brought in the, the, the nicer coach, the player development coach. He was going to move the basketball. He's going to have this thing clicking. And all of a sudden, all the vets are gone. All the structure feels gone. They don't feel like they win trades anymore. Not in the way that they used to. And again, the league has gotten smarter. The league has caught up with them. But they mismanaged who they were last year. That's pretty clear in terms of not making trades, doubling down on their group, and then sending a pick out the door. And they put a big emphasis back on, let's find our identity as, a, as the Spurs of the East. And watching the Spurs yesterday with their young superstar, their third generational center, which is unbelievable. Their third. And you're watching him just play, again, the best game of his career and arguably the worst of Scotties. So... It's two extremes, but you did get the feeling of, oh, right, you do trust. You do trust that the Spurs around Popovich and the organization are, are going to find a way to get the most out of these players. That they will build another successful team around a generational talent, which is what Victor Weminyama is going to be. Like this guy it, it absolutely could take over the league. He's taller than Kevin Durant. He shoots the ball well, stays healthy puts on even just a little bit of weight. His sense for the game, the, the thing that actually really shocked me about Wembenyama was not the shot blocking or the way that he altered the Raptors or the shot making, because I've seen all that. Watching him live, what was really startling was how smart of a basketball player he is, the, the playmaking that he is capable of. And then you, you put that contrast up against what the Raptors have, which is a brand new head coach where they're going to try to find out whether they have something. A team culture that has, again, evaporated and the face of the franchise who's not going to be the face of the league as much as Darko Ryakovich says that he might be, but who very much has a lot of question marks and who most people, I think most reasonable people are hoping tops out as a, a very good number two. But what is the timeline in terms of finding that number one and how are they going to acquire that person? It's, it's very much to be seen. And how do you develop your talent around an atmosphere like that? So, yeah, I think it was just a, a gut punch for Raptors fans yesterday, not just because of the score, not just because of, uh, you know, most a lot of people are already checked out. They don't care about a tanking team. But to see those two things propped up against one another, I, I think that that's what made it hurt. That's what made it a bit of a wake-up call. That's what had people having a lot of, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, the, the chats people were having in the arena were not overwhelmingly positive. Anyways. Uh, had a chance to catch up with Cam Jansen, former NHL enforcer, a uh, guy who had been suspended in the league about, yeah, a great podcaster, great just guy to have a talk with anyways about uh, what he anticipates from Morgan Riley, what he thought of the play, uh, dealing with the Department of Player Safety and more. Uh, here it is. Very pleased to have back on the show Cam Jansen, former NHL forward, host of Cam and Strick podcast and Blues Hot Take central on 590 the fan in st louis this is sportsnet 590 the fan in toronto i 
I feel like it it matters who the true fi- who the true fan five ninety is. Oh snap! It's so funny. Uh, we get a lot of callers from Canada that call into our show yeah. thinking it's uh, five ninety Toronto. It's hilarious. And then I explain well, who I am, and they're like, "This is the yeah. weirdest thing possible." So it's pretty <laughs> funny. Well, the best thing too is that you do your show across from mine. So sometimes when they're calling in, probably pissed, it's because they're upset with me. Yes. Yeah. They complain about you a lot, and I just go with it. Yeah. I agree with everything yeah. they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You know what? Honestly, I kind of agree with them too. Like, you, there's sometimes you read the criticism and you go, you know, that's that's kind of you kind of nailed it. You can't really push back too much, too hard on any of this. Uh, so. I, I never I, I planned on having you on last week. You know, Leafs are about to play a set against the Blues. I figured who better to speak to than you. I hadn't planned on talking to you about, obviously, uh, anything other than Leafs and Blues because they got a set coming up. But then all of a sudden, Morgan Riley puts his stick into the head of Riley Gregg, and it becomes the number one story in our country. I think it's one of the biggest stories in all of hockey right now. I just I got to ask you what you thought of the play. I thought it was stupid. I thought that play was stupid. It meant nothing. So what if he took a slap shot into an empty net? It does nothing. Half the, half the fans there are t- Toronto fans anyway. They beat you. They beat you fair and square. Close game. Morgan Riley had a hell of a game. Probably could have had five points in that game. But he, that play was dumb. And now he's probably going to get deemed for like five or six games. He has an in-hearing uh, uh, interview today which is not good. And so anytime you use your weapon like that and you cross-check somebody, you are going to get dinged, man. And I don't care if he's ever done this, he's never been suspended before. You just got to let that go. Maybe go up to him and bump him like, what are you doing? And get pissed that way. But you cross-check him in the head because he took a slap shot into an empty net. That's stupid. And look, maybe if you want to do something – and your goalie's in net and the whistle blows and somebody takes a rip slap shot and hits your goalie when he's not paying attention, yeah, you go take care of business. But so what at the end of a game like that? That meant nothing. You are in a crucial stint of games going on. And you need to win as many games as possible. And you're losing the bad teams. And now your best defenseman goes out there and cross-checks somebody in the head because they took a slap shot into an empty net. That, to me, is stupid. He clearly lost his cool. Uh, I don't think he tried to cross-check him in the head. Not that it matters because it still makes contact first. And I have some empathy for Morgan Riley because this is a team that's been criticized for being soft, criticized for letting people take their runs at them over and over and over again. I I hate that it happened. I accept that he's going to end up with the suspension. Uh, I think he probably wishes that he could have this one back. But do you give, I guess, any leniency or do you you look at it a little differently, knowing that this is a team that has basically been clowned on for uh, close to a decade now for being too soft? Well, like, okay, fine. But, like, stuff happens throughout the game so much so where guys get clipped weird and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He didn't jump into any of those plays. So, at the end of the game, they take a slap shot, and it's not even in Toronto. It's in Ottawa. Like, they're scrambling anyway. They've been through a tough year. And he takes a slap shot into an empty net. Like, he, he blocked a shot. Yeah, do, do I like that he did it? No. If I was there back in the day, maybe I would have done something. But you're Morgan Riley, man, and you guys need to win hockey games. You need to get all the points you can get. There's a ton of pressure on you, and you're the best defenseman, and you go up there and you cross-check the guy, 
because he took a slap shot into an empty net. To me, that's goofy. But again, I know some of the guys are like, oh, that's a respect issue. Yeah, okay, fine. If you were to clip somebody or if you were to took a slap shot after the whistle when it hit a goalie and you jumped in, that's different. But who cares? The game's over. The game is over. You know what I mean? And you're, you're pissed about losing to an Ottawa team, but now your best defenseman is going to get deemed. I don't know what they're going to give them, but it might be a lot. You can't use your weapon and hit somebody in the head like that. I love David Perron. He screwed up the other day too, man. Six games for that. He, he hit the wrong guy. And, like, sometimes you kind of lose your mind, but there's other ways to do it. A, you could be physical the whole game and pick, pick out fights or catch a guy with their head down. But at the end of the game like that, maybe give him a bump and chirp and maybe whack the back of his leg. But to go in there and cross-check him in the head, dude, you're going to get it, and that's what's going to happen to him. And I do feel bad for him because I like him a lot. Morgan Riley, classy. Damn, he's he good. And you guys, the Toronto Maple Leafs, need him so bad. Now, who knows with them, the Leafs might go on like a six-game you know, heater because hockey's hockey and it's bizarro land sometimes. But this is not good to get ding like that because of an irrelevant play. Dude, it's hard to imagine, though, that they're going to just start ripping off wins when the blue line has been the biggest problem for this team consistently all season long, and he has been their best guy. Like, he's been nearly a point a game. He's been better on the power play for them this season as their quarterback. He's the only guy that can make a zone exit on his own, can snap a pass. It's a, like, I... (laughs) hate using the term, but there's a lot of butchers back there right now, okay? Like, it's a lot of guys who are having real trouble getting the puck out. And you even watch that game, and what? how does how does Ottawa get a bunch of their goals? It's it's bad clears. It's, it's misreads by their blue yep. line. It's just tough, 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 tough timing for this thing to happen. So I get it. I, I do wonder how much his uh, – like, this guy was about to be a Lady Bing Award winner, and then he ends up being the guy that cross-checks somebody <laughs> in the head. I I do think about how that's going to happen, but it's wild to me how polarizing this play is. Because to me, it's just, it's plain and simple. Greg did something to piss off the Leafs. Morgan Riley responded. He responded way too heavily because he got too emotional and the stick rides up and it goes in the head. He's going to pay the price. He's going to get a huge suspension. He probably regrets it. Like privately, that's what this whole team's doing. They're talking about this right now. Like, oh yeah, no big deal. Uh, Back in the day, Ryan Reeves is doing that move. But yeah, Elliot Friedman was saying on Jeff Merrick's show the other day that uh, he saw some people that thought it was going to end up being nothing or that it should be nothing, and other people that thought it could be 20 games. I, I just, I'm having trouble seeing why so many people see it so differently. Yeah, I, look, don't get me wrong. It's not that big of a deal. It wasn't that hard of a mm. cross check. I've eaten about 50 of those in my time. It's all good, but it was dumb because you just don't need to put your, your smart guy, you know how valuable you are. And so if you put yourself in that situation because he took a stupid slap shot into a net with no goalie, the game's over. So it's just like you could have just bumped him. But no, yeah, 20 games, hell no. But mm-hmm. you're just going to get some. And if he gets yep. four or five, you're like, okay, just don't use your weapon to, 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 mm-hmm. to uh, retaliate. And especially when there's four or five seconds left, man, they're going to get you on that. And he knows that. And as far as the lady being, who gives a damn? Yeah. Like, who cares about the Lady Bing? Dude, I've been well, yeah, reading so the many worst people. Award. It's embarrassing. And yeah, Lady Bing, they don't even care. Yeah, they yeah. don't even care about it. They're like, okay, I'd rather win, like, you know, the, the MVP or the constant, you know. Yeah. The, the Lady Bing's like, whatever. But you need him for these games, man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Especially going against a Red Hot Blues team right now. 
Oh my God. Yeah. You guys are so hot. Uh, I, I, I don't care about the lady being there. There was a long time where it was another uh, embarrassment for Toronto, where the only individual award they had was Alex McGilney having a lady Bing for like 30 years, <laughs> something stupid like that. Yeah. And he won the award. And I just remember being a kid going, that's the one we get. That's, that's the, <laughs> the one over 30 years. Although, had... although Almo's yeah. really cool, man. I was a young well, yeah. kid when he was, of he course. was so nice to me. I swear to God, he was the nicest guy ever. I played on a line with him, and he was probably so frustrated. He was probably so pissed at me because I couldn't do what he did and crisscross. He had to play the dump and chase game, and he was mm-hmm. so sweet to me, and I'll never forget that. I love wow. Alexander McGillney. <laughs> yeah, how could you not? I think it's a travesty that he's not in the Hall of Fame. It's it's very clear politics that he's not in there. It's really frustrating because people bring up his international resume when the guy was a defector. And even when he did play internationally as a kid, he was really good. Uh, it's outrageous. And, yeah, he's absolutely going to be a Leaf fan favorite forever. But, yeah, I was going to say, you, you've had experiences with Department of Player Safety. And I wonder what you think about the job they do in general, just from the standpoint of, I saw Austin Matthews at a quote today where he went, it felt like when he went into the have his meeting, they had already made up their mind. When, when you had your experiences, did, did you feel like they heard you out? Like, what, what was the process like for you? And yeah, do you, do you think that they go in there with it already set? Oh, hell yeah. Dude, they didn't hear me out, man. I remember sitting there with my agent. <laughs> my agent's like trying to talk me up for literally 35 minutes, talking about me, how good of a person I am, what I've done in the community, all this yeah. stuff. I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> You're getting yeah, choked you up. You're minutes. like, wow, this guy loves me. <laughs> it did, yeah, it's like, wow, this might work. And I forgot who we're talking to. Like, yeah, now nah, he's going to get the max. And then you look at the plays, like the, the hit I made. I'm like, yeah, I deserve that. Like, yeah. you know, like I deserve that. The Caberlet one, of course, I probably should have got more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Matt Bradley one where I hit him late, you know, yeah, I deserve five games for that 100%. So they know, man, they, they probably know going into it. Everything's different and every play is different. Like, they're not all the same. My hits were different than what Morgan Riley did and what David Perron did and what, uh, you know, some of the guys did off the face-off where you high-stick a guy on purpose and you're mic'd up on the, car- on, on the mic and you admit that you did it. Like, that's just like there's all – everything's different. So they have a thankless job. It's very difficult to do. They get paid damn good money, but it is a hard gig, and no one's happy with you. You're never right. So as long as you can stay balanced and in the middle, then that's what you have to kind of like go for, right? Mm-hmm. I honestly, I as you were saying that, I I was trying to think about institutions that have a lower approval rating than the Department of NHL Player Safety, and I don't, I couldn't come up with one. Like, I couldn't come up. Yeah, yeah, some, but at least some politicians have their fans, right? At least they have their base, people who vote for them. I, I think that if there was like a voting process from fans for people, they, they just would completely abstain because they would say, let us do it. Let Twitter do it. Let Twitter dole out the justice yeah. where After a while, it goes. Everybody hates you. After a while, yeah, of course. it all swings back to hatred. You know, it's just a thankless job, man. You know, you can't yeah. please everybody because there's different spectrum. Every Fans in hockey are crazy. You have the old school guys like, yeah, let's go. Then you have the new age, like suspend him for life. They said the wrong thing in an interview, suspend them. Like they're crazy. They're crazy on both spectrums. So there's a huge gap. So if you try to please everybody, 
you're going to do a bad job. So you just have to balance and find the happy medium as much as you can. Yeah, I, I remember when Peros was named, everyone went, well, this guy's so smart, and he was an enforcer. He's he's beloved, right? Who didn't love George Peros before he went into that role? Like, he was a very popular player, and, like, amongst fans anyways. I don't know about on the ice. I'm sure he was respected. Like, you guys 6'5". No, he was respected. Yeah. like never got suspended. Yeah, but he was hated within, what, 35 seconds of stepping within that office? Like, he's unanimously despised after taking that shot. Yeah. Hated him. Like, who is this meathead? They called him, I remember, like, because if you're a tough guy, you're automatically categorized as meathead, which rightfully so, man, because we do crazy things. But this guy is, like, a Princeton grad, like, oh, okay, let's look at his IQ compared to yours. Let's just go ahead and balance. Let's go ahead. Let's go into a, you know, you, you, you guys want to have a, take a test together and see how smart you are. Like, calm down. The guy's a smart dude, and he's done it in real life. He's played the game. He's a Stanley Cup winner. He's a great teammate. Everybody loved him. He's been through weird times where he's been injured. He's got weird injuries, but he played the tough guy role, and he never got suspended. I, that, to me, that's a tip of the cap right there. That means you, you, you balance your role pretty damn good and i respect the hell out of him and but it is a thankless job i don't care who you put in there you could put the most popular you could put travis kelsey and taylor swift doing that role which everybody loves and they'll hate them in a week yeah it's true that actually is the one way for taylor to have a downfall is if she had to accept the job (laughs) of head of department of player safety that's really what those fans should have been rooting for advocating for the ones that got so upset whenever she would show up on TV. Okay, so it's it feels like you already kind of answered this one by saying that you felt like you deserved the Caberle one, and I'm not relitigating that, but I just mean, did you feel as though, how much of the Toronto weight did you feel in that? Because I, I do have to wonder with this, right? And people will always get pissed in this market because people here feel like they're, you know, unfairly legislated or that there's way too much hype. A player that's in the eye of the storm, though, like you were then, you, did you ever feel like, man, I think I am getting an extra game here because this happened against the Leafs, if, and if this happens against any other team, it goes a little differently? No, I think I was going to get extra games because I hit him late, and he yeah. smashed his head against the boards, and it was god-awful. And I went through some, After that, I'm a young kid, and I had two weeks before I went up there and played in Toronto, and my mm. I had death threats. Oh my God. And this was like before yeah. social media. I think we had like my, but I remember getting, my parents are getting calls. It was, and then look, you think I'm not a, I'm not going to act like a victim. I didn't even get, I, it, I can't feel me. And I looked at it like, God, these people are threatening me. Like I kind of deserve it. Like, yeah. I don't blame them. You know, like I hit their best player. I'm a fourth line plug and I hit their best player. They should be pissing me. They should try to kill me. I was like, but I went through that at a really young age. And I remember going up to Toronto and I went, I took a lap by myself. The, the boys made me take a lap by myself. And then of course I had to go fight Wade Belak that night. And then it was over. Then it was done. Yeah. And no one really, I never really heard about it too, too much again. The, the fans kind of understood it. Like they were like, okay, he paid the piper and it was kind of over. But that leading up to it, man, holy cow, it was hardcore. I was like 20, 21 years old. And man, oh man, we're, me and my parents were like, are they really going to burn our house down or like, no, no, it's all, it's all good. Like, don't it's, 
hey, don't do stupid things. Don't catch guys that are, you know, they're number one defenseman like that late. They just, you just don't do that kind of stuff. And if you do, man, you're going to, you're going to take a beating. Now I'm not saying it's okay for people to give death threats out. Like, don't get me wrong. I just didn't, it just didn't bother me as much. Like, I'm just like, yeah, whatever. No one's going to do nothing. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it was tough, man. But again, you know, you got to pay the piper. You do stuff yeah. like that. You got to pay the piper. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, that it, like that's just going to be, I think, over and done with though. When Toronto plays Ottawa next, I, I just don't think that anyone's going to try to fight Morgan Riley. Uh, it's hard for me to envision that. Maybe, maybe that ends up happening. Yeah. I, I feel I like it's going to be over and done with with the suspension. That's crazy though. Especially, yeah, you're right. Pre-social media because it's. I, I'm pretty forgiving of people that tweet stuff at me, like in the heat of a moment, because they're just mad, you know, and it's two seconds and it's just like, yeah. there's no filter, right? It's right in front of you. But sending a yeah. death threat to someone pre-social media, like you got to write a letter, that's hate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got you write a <laughs> no, letter. They had to like sit and, down and think about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I mean. They had to sit down and think about it. <laughs> they're sitting on their kitchen table eating cereal, yeah. writing my parents' death threat. <laughs> <Yeah, like, laughs> it was weird. Like, Look, whatever. Like, Dude, we're tough, man. We're from the blue collar yeah. party, Eureka, Missouri. Like, we're not worried about much. Yeah. But I can yeah. see, like, on social media where you can get people are crazy, they're racist, they're homophobic, they're stuff like that. Like, like, I get it, it can affect a lot of people, but you just got to remember who's doing it. Like, yeah. like it just, it, usually nothing happens because of it. Just mean words. And you sometimes, you just sometimes have to black, uh, block that all out. Um, yeah. And then it goes away. But people are mean, people are emotional, and when you get really emotional, you say the meanest thing that comes out of your brain, and all of a sudden now it's all recorded, you know, on Twitter and whatnot. So, but uh, it, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, I just yeah still can't get the image out of my head of some guy like up late at night. His wife's like, "Honey, come to bed." He's like, "I gotta finish this death threat to Cam Jansen. <laughs> like, I gotta. I'm almost done." I'm almost done, babe. I'll be right there. She's like, oh, okay. Good night. Make sure that you turn the lights off behind you. (laughs) So weird, dude. It was funny. I got some. I still have some of them. It's pretty funny. It's all good. That's that's crazy. Okay, so your blues are red hot. You guys have won seven of your last eight games. And this was in the middle of, okay, what are they going to sell? What are they going to do? Are the the Blues going to trade Buchnevich? How is this going to go with this deadline? Is this, like, how much of this do you think is real, this this hot streak that they're on right now? Is this one that you're looking at a little bit of smoke and mirrors? Because I think as a fan, it can be really frustrating when your team doesn't look like they're it, and then all of a sudden they make a run and they push into one of those bottom playoff positions. And I guess it's different for St. Louis fans because – you know, you got a cup out of essentially a team that people thought was down and out. But, yeah, where, where are you and where is the fan base at with what has transpired over the last couple of weeks? It's real enough to be able to squeak in. And that's mm-hmm. what this fan base and this organization needs. They need to make the playoffs. They need the attention. You get a two- or three-week span where you are getting attention. It's built up in the city. City restaurants and whatnot revenue is built up in this city. Everything's tied together. You know what I mean? The Cardinals weren't very good. We need the Blues to be relevant. You have two years in a row where you don't make the playoffs. The Blues have been so damn successful over their 50-year career, really, especially in the past 30 years, where there's only a handful of times they didn't make the playoffs. Literally, in the past 30, 35 years, there's only a handful. Think about that, dude. They were loaded, loaded through the 90s with monsters, Winning games, losing to Detroit, 
losing to Colorado. Then you got a little bit older. You lost to the Kings. You lost to the Blackhawks. But those Hitchcock years were loaded. Then you went through a couple a couple down years, and all of a sudden you win this cup in 19. And you were great the year after that, and now you went through this weird time where you were god-awful last year. This, this organization, they, they need the revenue money. Do you want to get that money coming in for the playoffs? You want people talking about the St. Louis Blues because they're in the playoffs. Like, this is a big deal. So do I think they're serious? Are they a serious cup contender? No. But are they serious enough to go in there? And maybe, and maybe Jordan Bennington gets so hot to where they upset somebody and make a splash and get to the second round? Hell yeah. Why not? That's what I look yeah. at. Weekend, yeah. make the playoffs, get this city buzzing again. I don't care if you squeak it or not. This city is going to come. They're going to, everybody's going to be downtown. You could do events. You could do this. There's a lot that goes on to that man here in a, in a mid market, like, like what St. Louis is. So they need to make the playoffs. And that's how I look at it. Are they good enough to squeak in? You're damn right. Yeah. Yeah. It looks that way. And again, the teams that they're fighting with the, like in the bottom of the wild card there, you would anticipate yeah. that Calgary is going to take a step back, right? The Preds probably end up doing something similar. My only, and it's so tough being a modern sports fan because everything you say, I go, that should be all we want. But when there's a deadline like this one where there's just no sellers, right? The, the only team, the, a couple of the teams have already got a way out ahead of it. Two of the best guys that are going to be on the market are already off the table a month before the deadline. When you're a fan of the team, you look at it and go, okay, if we can't win the cup, man, we could get a haul back for some players that might not be here next year or maybe be move off of a contract. And so I get it from both sides, but yeah, when you put it that way, it's like, yeah, what would I rather have that? Like that, that run, that, that the, the bars hopping, the people watching games, people coming together and having everything feel. Yeah. Like yeah, the city is hot. Um, one more. It for just you. depends on the contract. It depends on the player. It depends on the age. Like for Bucci, I wouldn't get rid of him. No way. He drives this team, dude. He does. Yeah. I can even see it when I work with them. I did the radio with Chris Kerber. I went on a long road trip with him. And you could see because you're flying on the plane with them. You're in the hotel with everybody. You could just see how they kind of look up the Bucci, man. Like he drives it. He's awesome. Barely speaks English. Hilarious. Cool. You know, does funny things. Like he's just, he's just the guy. And so you get rid of him when you're doing, you're winning games right now. Like, I, what? I don't know. Ride this damn thing, dude. Ride it. Let's get he in pops. and see what's up. Let's see if Binner could like stand on his head and and embarrass a team that's supposed to be going far. You know, that's yeah. hockey, man. Yeah, uh, I will say every, it feels like every time they play the Leafs, Buchnevich just he's he's the the guy that pops good. and you know he's good, always dude. text yeah he's always good. text messages between me and buddies about how great it would be to pick up a player like that and yeah that's kind of where toronto's at too though is just in that wild card spot wondering what direction they're going to take the difference is pe- weirdly people here just yeah they're they're over the the one and dones they're over the the buying and the the spending I feel bad. I think st louis yeah but you guys I are in a bad, be- better spot because you don't have to yeah. buy or sell like there's not gonna be the pressure to do that right like with toronto no, there's this no. implicit pressure of they've got to keep sending first round picks out the door and it's like i don't i don't think this team oh. is it Dude, I don't know, man. You guys are in a weird, weird spot, and I, mm-hmm. I just feel bad because it's it's not a it's not a cheap ticket. Like it's and it's been it's been it's been rough. It's been rough for Toronto fans, dude. And people give Toronto fans hate, and you see the polls where they're the most annoying fan base. Okay, fine. No, they're the loudest. 
and they're the, the heartbeat of the NHL. They are. Toronto fans are the heartbeat, dude. They they are. And and I just they it's just been a, it's been goofy for a long long time. You've had some awesome teams, early two thousand tough teams with Belak and Domi and mm-hmm. you know Tucker and McCabe and Sundin. Like you had some fun teams, man. Don't get me wrong, yeah. some fun teams, but it's been it's been a struggle. And so and now you got all these guys locked up, and everybody knows the story. I get it, but you got to do something. You got to find a way. The Blues eventually found a way. They were huge. They had huge defensemen. Look at the Blues in 2019. Sometimes when you're watching that game that, that, uh, in that year, even leading up to the playoffs, you're like, is this team good? Is it not? But then now they win, and you sit back and you look. Every single defenseman was like 6'4". They could move the puck. Edmondson, Bo Meester, Petrangelo. They were Colt Braco. They were loaded, huge defensemen that could move the puck. And you look back, on the, the all four lines rolled. The fourth line started every single game. And they hurt guys with hits. Like they just put it together. They did. It was really special. And I don't know if the I don't know if the Leafs are, are there. I don't know. Well, especially now with Morgan Raleigh's gonna be ding for five games. Yeah. Like you gotta get you gotta get going here. Yeah. Well, you know what one thing is very popular that is suggested amongst the fans here, right? That has also a tie in with you guys. It's Rube. Like a lot of people wonder if there's, and I'm not asking you to advocate for a coach getting fired. I know that that's always an uncomfortable situation, but yeah. uh, I, what do you, do you think? Cause this team's been searching for that grit. Like that's the thing that I keep coming back to with the Riley play is they, they brought in Ryan Reeves. They brought in Domi. They brought in Bertuzzi. They were supposed to have snot in the room. They were supposed to have this feeling down the lineup. It's frustrating because out of all the core players, it feels like Morgan Riley's the only one that does it consistently. I know we mentioned the Lady Bing stuff, but come playoff time, the guy turns it up. He matches the intensity. He totally gets it. Like there's, there's just no part of me that thinks Morgan Riley plays a soft brand of hockey come playoff time. But yeah, there's been people have alluded to, and Barube's even mentioned it. Like he, he actually said that it would be an honor for him to coach in Toronto, which obviously he's going to say that, right? Um, but yeah, w- what do you think that he would bring Toronto? Because he got fired this year. It was, I think, a, a surprise to a lot of us outside of St. Louis that weren't really paying attention. But yeah, how would you see a fit for a guy like that in a major market with a team that is often criticized about not playing the right way? I am so rooting for him to be the Leafs head coach. And don't get me wrong, I love Sheldon Keith and I love his brother, Adam Keith, who I fought a ton of times in juniors and over in England, and I respect both of them to the highest regard. But Craig Berube is the ultimate. He is so cool. He's so demanding. And look, there's always a shelf life, and the guys kind of started ignoring him here in St. Louis, and Doug Armstrong, of course, since that, and he had to put his foot down and make a, and make a move. And now look where they're at right now. They're doing pretty dang good, and they're in a good playoff spot under Drew Bannister, and they're, they're playing faster. And that's hockey coaches as a whole. That's hockey in general. And you go, you go, coaches come, and they go, and they get the best out of them, and then they get a new one. But I think Craig Ruby going in that locker room, dealing with that media, the way he presents himself, oh, my God, it would be so funny, too, by the way. He doesn't take crap from anybody. He's got a little Lou Lamarillo in him, but he's also more – relaxed and Lou and funny. If you talk to him outside of the rink and whatnot, like he's so cool. He'd have a beer with you. He'll play golf. Like he's cool as hell, but he'll get your attention. And I think he'd be perfect there. And another thing in a selfish way, 
I want to see him in the spotlight. I want to see him take all these questions and whatnot, you know. I want to see how he reacts to all the Toronto media. He's been there before. Um, I think that maybe a, a Philly fit would be great if Tortorella wants to do a G, be a GM, which he's kind of like – kind of like sensing that he's going to probably do that eventually. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would love to see Craig Brewer be behind the bench in Toronto. I'm not saying Sean Keep should be fired. I'm not saying that at all. But you know how this goes. It's a carousel with coaching in the NHL. Yep. But I think Craig Brewer would be a perfect fit there. And I've advocated that on my podcast, too. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I want to see him every day. I want to turn on TV, NHL Network, and see Craig Brewer. I do. Mm-hmm. And I think that he can – I think he can get some fire on some a lot of these guys in a way to where it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different edgy attitude with the yeah. skill set that you have, I think goes a long way, especially during playoffs. Well, listen, Ed, Sheldon Keefe's definitely been on the hot seat this year, right? And he's been he's been coaching yeah. for his life. He's been taking shots through the media. Like he's he's just he hasn't really been holding back recently. He, you know, he called his team Pee-wee the other night. Uh He's been critical of some of the star players, but yeah, uh, he's, he's given some guys some more ice time, which has not really been a calling card of his. Like the other night he played, he bumped Domi up and gave him 17 when he's usually around 10. It's been a real issue here for the entire season. But yeah, I think that if, if this team starts to careen any further, they're not getting like, they just gave William Nylander all the money in the universe. They just gave Austin Matthews a new contract. John Tavares is a no move clause. So does, you know, Mitch Marner. They're not, they're not moving any of these guys. You can't fire the players. So you end up firing the coach and, I think it's just more of a question of does a guy like that come in there and actually resonate with star players who don't really play with that kind of identity that I, I think that he would want. Like it's, it's a different thing when you, like you mentioned, you got a, a blue line full of mutants and a team that's willing to play hard Western conference hockey than it is when you're coming <clears throat> into a dressing room with guys who, yeah, play a, a different style. Let's just say. Well, let's look at the Stanley cup winners. Like, even, you know, Washington, when they won, man, they were hardcore. Like, those guys were going 100 miles an hour. Like, they weren't tiptoeing around. Their body, uh, body, the Pittsburgh Penguins, like Sidney Crosby, like, he goes 100,000 miles an hour, blocking shots, doing this. Like, he's got that. And it's not like Craig Groovy's skill. It's more his, the kind of attitude that he will instill in the guys. Like, every shift is like 100, get, blocking shots, doing this, doing that. So, yeah, I think it, it could be great. Now, if, you're, if your players are divas and they don't want to listen to anybody, they're not going to listen to Craig Brewery, then who are you going to listen to? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, that could be on them. So, I think it would be a perfect fit. And it's not like, hey, Austin Matthews, this is what I want you to do. Dump that puck in and go hit the guy. Mm-hmm. No, you be creative. But when you're in the corner, this is how I want you to play too. When you're right here, how about instead of being on the perimeter, go right in front of the net. Maybe little things like that. That Ruby could, his style would, would kind of, kind of like temper a little bit to some of these older guys and some of these skilled guys and say, hey, no, you could change it a little bit. I want you sort of be skilled, but I want you to have that nastiness as well. Because listen, the playoffs are different, completely different. You could be the most skilled team ever. Now guys are hooking you and cross-checking you and elbowing you and doing all this weird stuff that they're not calling. It's a different game. So you better figure it out. You better have a little bit more of a Craig Berube style to you, or you're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs because the playoffs are a different animal, whether you like it or not. 
Cam, uh, you're the best. Thanks as always for making time, dude. I, I I always enjoy getting to catch up. Again, if you want to hear more, Cam, he's on the Lesser 590, uh, 590 the fan in St. Louis. <laughs> And uh, he hosts the Cam and Strick podcast, which you can get everywhere. Spotify, Apple, do all those things. Uh, follow, subscribe, and review. Hey, man, uh, good luck in these next couple of games and look forward to catching up down the line. Anytime, big dog. See you guys. Be cool. Good guy. That Cam Jansen. Uh, funny, I, I, I've actually already talked to him about the Cabriolet stuff, or not to that degree, but we had talked about it once before. And I, I just remember going over more like the actual having a fight. It's a... It's a memorable moment of his career, okay? He's Cam Jansen. It's a memorable moment to hit Cabriolet. Um, but I, I thought that it was pretty insightful hearing him discuss, hey, they, they had already made up their mind. Like, that was the experience that Matthews referenced recently and the one that Cam referenced, despite him bringing up all of his track record and his age and all this different stuff, blah, blah, blah. didn't seem to matter to the NHL Department of Player Safety. What I do wonder about today, as we wait for the... The decision, Toronto's decision. God, it's going to get hot. It's going to get hot if that suspension, if that suspension is six games, people here are going to be really pissed off, truly pissed off, and, and I think fairly pissed off. And, man, credit to Jeff Viette because he put together a list. <laughs> this is stuff where my brain never goes here. My brain never goes to this stuff. So credit to him for putting this together. But he did from 2017 to 2018, a period in which I think that most of you would agree the Leafs have been criticized for being too soft. Oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, so soft. Softest team. They don't stick up for one another. They're not physical enough. They don't have enough snot. They don't have enough dirt. They don't have enough this. They don't have enough that. Well, you know what they have enough of? Suspensions. Before this Morgan Riley suspension, since 2017-2018, according to Jeff's research, Leafs have 31 games of suspensions. So I think we can kind of put Morgan Riley down in pen for at least three, right? So they'll probably have minimum 34, probably more. The next closest team is the Boston Bruins, 28 Leafs have had more in-person hearings than any other team in that span. And granted, I'm, uh, I'm thinking that two of them were NAS. But still, it's pretty tough to ignore that. I got to tell you, it's pretty tough not to look at this list and say, huh, Leafs suspension lengths over that time, three, two, five, two, six, two, couple ones, three, and now potentially six plus. Anyway, um, I don't, I don't really believe that there's like a deep conspiracy. I don't think that someone's out to get Toronto. I do wonder, I was talking about this with key last night at the Raptors game. I do wonder what Shanahan's relationship with some of the people at the department of player safety was like when he left, like he had that job. You got to wonder if there is at least some kind of, connective tissue between he and his former employers in terms of the way that that group feels about him or, or the relationship that they have or the terms in which he left, whatever. It just, it, it, it's, it should be referenced. You got to reference it. I don't think Peros hates the Maple Leafs. I think that this one's pretty plain and simple. Toronto, when you absorb the most amount of oxygen, 
from a media standpoint. When we do a Morgan Riley, like, let's be honest, if this happens in Florida, how, how much are we talking about it? Here in Canada, here in Sportsnet, how much are they talking about it south of the border? You think it's going to be leading TNT? Think that we're, they're going to spend multiple days talking about it on multiple platforms nationally? I don't think so. I think that what happens is here we discuss, we discuss, we discuss, we discuss. And the league, when they have to come down on these, when they got to set the example, sometimes Toronto ends up becoming a little bit more of an example because it's more visual, because the rest of the league is supposed to get the message. And that would be fine if it extended to the other teams, but it seems pretty clear from the actual numbers that that hasn't been the case. It seems pretty clear from the evidence we have of numerous, numerous horrific hits. Some using, like, you know, the Wayne Simmons one is going around where he eats the cross check to the face from the Habs defender. It's like nothing. That wasn't even a, uh, no one even batted an eye at that from the league office. It would be one thing if the Leafs were the example and then it started to have a ripple effect and caused a safer league or a smarter league, but I don't really see that happening. Feels like just the same thing everybody feels, which is all this stuff is completely inconsistent. None of this is based in anything that you can count on from one day to the next. And when the Leafs are involved, you know the penalty is going to be as stiff as possible. Yeah, I know. I get it. If I was the other fan base, I'd be laughing at me too and going mocking it and and saying, oh, what a cry. Guy, Guy put his stick in his face. What did you expect? Just saying. That's how I feel about it. I would think the same if I was a fan of the Yankees or I'd be mocking a fan of the Yankees for having the take. But that's where I'm at with it. Anyways, quick break and let's wrap up the show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Okay, just a couple minutes here to close up the show. Apparently there's a crazy snowstorm that's going to New York and that is going to prevent Morgan Riley from having an in-person hearing. It's going to be over Zoom. So Morgan Riley's perpetrators won't even have to truly look him in the eye. He's through a screen. By the way, for those of you that were optimistic like me that the NHL would come to its senses and realize that this was not the most egregious play of 2024, nor the deciding issue of our times. Elliot Freeman pointed out in his latest column, which is up on sportsset.ca right now, which is called What's at Stake in Morgan Raleigh's Suspension Hearing. Um, he went back and he looked at the history of in-person hearings and found there were only a couple of times where a player was suspended fewer than six games. Dmitry Kulikov for clipping Sagan in 2015. He got four games. And John Moore for hitting Eric Howell in the head, who got five games. So, yeah, not a great sign if you're a Maple Leaf fan in terms of your optimism. Anyways, one thing is for certain, and that will include tomorrow when I talk about this further, is this will be the most covered suspension, I I, got to say, maybe in the, the history of hockey. Anyway, we'll see you then.